Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day, a little warmer, six great flavors of slushies out there, and uh, the pickle bar, led by the play, by the uh, barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none, all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great time to deal. And the service department that backs it all up. That is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. So Duke is done, as we talked about yesterday. Virginia today had to drop out of the ACC tournament, and Kansas, within the hour, dropped out of the Big 12 tournament. So their game with Texas tonight, as Dick Girardi would say, gone, following a a positive COVID-19 test. Now, what does this do now for the NCAAs? Virginia was definitely going. Do they have time to then right the ship and say, hey, we've got enough people to do this? Kansas, same story. Now, Duke's not going to participate. Let's get to last night's game. Uh, Penn State gets the lead, gets into foul trouble. I know Dick and I talked in the broadcast about, you know, not so. Sure. I mean, I know you're trying to buy some time till you get your guys back. Turned out like none of those guys ended up with more than three fouls in the game. But you can't predict that as you go through it. But the two primary calls in the game, where you just sit back and you're looking around saying, "I I I don't get this." Tyler Wall shot in the first half. I call live as a shot as a shot clock violation. I can see it. It wasn't that it, it, you know, it wasn't difficult for the play-by-play guy to see it. But that's why you have replay. You are allowed to stop the game and look at the replay. You're allowed to. And the officials told Jim they couldn't do it. No. Wrong. That rule changed six years ago. And ironically, it involved Wisconsin. It was Nigel Hayes' shot after the shot clock that ended up knocking Kentucky out. 
that rule changed six years ago. Six years. You can go to the monitor any time on a shot clock. Any time. They should have stopped it right there because, to be honest with you, then you look at the replay. Look, I thought it was obvious live. I mean, obvious live. Hey, I'm not. I'm. You guys know as to how I do a game. I don't sit there and do a game, and like I'm hoping it wasn't. If I think it's not, I say right away it's not. If I think it is, I say it is. How many times in the course of my career have you heard me say, "No, no, they got that one right"? A lot, a lot. I'll say, "Nope." You know, usually, obviously, when they're fans, they'll be yelling and screaming. I'll say, "Ah, the fans don't quite have that one right," and said, so "They got that one right." That one, I could tell live that it's a shot clock violation. You could see it. The angle was perfect for me. He's got he's got the ball in, in, in his hand. He's still going up at the time, and the red light goes off. Well, then you look at the replay. It's like, man, it's not even close. You lose a game by one, and you didn't take the time. Now, they justifiably in the second half on the the three-point make by Miles Dredd, they justifiably at the break looked at the replay, saw Miles' right foot was clearly on, on the line, and they took the point away. Okay, that, that's fine. That's how you're supposed to do it. That's the correct call. But they're allowed to go to the monitor right away. That rule changed in 2015. And they didn't do it. And in 2006, they changed the rule. You cannot call timeout while falling out of bounds. You can't. That rule changed in 2006. Can't do it. Right? Don't do the moving goalpost thing. I mean, well, his foot was in bounds. I don't care. You can't do it. There's a reason why the rule was put in. Now, I don't blame Brad Davison for doing it. Kid did the right thing. He was smart, heady. He got away with it. But it's not the right call. Not the right call. That does not mean Penn State with point eight gets a shot to win the game. May have had trouble getting the ball in, may have juggled it, may have had it deflected, may have missed the shot. There's a whole bunch of things. It doesn't mean you're gonna win. But what you don't make that call. You don't make that call. Oh, he's got possession of the ball. He has a foot but he's falling out of bounds. I mean, like, way out of bounds. Right? Can't call. Okay? The official is not supposed to grant a timeout in that case. Not supposed to. The rule changed in 2006. As I pointed out on the broadcast last night, Titus Ivory was the greatest ever at Penn State at calling timeout going out of bounds. Best ever. Nobody even close. Not even the same realm with Titus Ivory. But the rule changed in 2006. Okay? Not the right call. Shot clock? Not the right call. Not not looking at the replay? Not the right call. And in a one-point game, all that stuff adds up.
I think it's rule 5.10. I think that's on the t- let's see that's that one's on the uh, the shot clock. It was put in in 2015 after the 2015 final four when Nigel Hayes hit a shot that was clearly after the shot clock. They said we got to do something about that. You need you know you need to have the ability to look at that. The rule's been there for six years. You can do it. And live, it was clear to me. Just like it was clear to me live at Indiana that the ball hit the baseline and went out of bounds. And you looked at the replay, the ball hit the baseline out of bounds. And guess what? Tracy Jackson Davis saved it. They hit a shot. Jim said the ball was out of bounds, got teed up, and it ended up being a five-point play for Indiana, uh, and uh, Penn State lost in overtime. Officials are absolutely allowed to make mistakes. I am fine with that. We are not going to be perfect. Not going to be perfect. Okay? Players aren't going to be perfect. Coaches aren't going to be perfect. Officials aren't going to be. Announcers are close, though. Okay? But on the shot clock violation, there is a backup in place, and they didn't take advantage of of the backup. That's where the mistake was made. The mistake is not made that they called it wrong. Okay? I called it live that it was a shot clock violation because I could see it. He still had the ball in the hand. I mean, it wasn't even close to me. Right? And all the players are looking around like, I mean, all the Penn State players are looking around like, what are you talking about? Right? And then Jim questioned. They said, we're not allowed to look at the, look at the monitor. What do you mean you're not allowed to look at the monitor? It's in the rules. You can look at the monitor right now. The mistake was not taking, not looking at the monitor to make sure. That's the mistake. You're allowed live to, to miss, miss on that. Okay. Totally accept that. I do not accept at all the refusal to go to the monitor and look and see. And you're saying, well, that was so early in the game, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You have to understand, Penn State right now is in control of this game. That was a big basket for Wisconsin. It kind of got them back. Like, like they, they finally hit something. So I mean that's the you know, but again you you do fall behind by eighteen, but then you battle back and do what you do like that. And it's, I mean Wisconsin was playing the clock with five six minutes ago. They usually they run the shot clock down. They run the shot clock down. They do that all the time. That is how they play. That's okay. I got that. That's how they play. Uh, pace is a big deal to them. But even they stopped looking at the basket at one point. Okay? Even they. Right? And Penn State took advantage of it. And you cannot turn it on and off that easily. But again, in college basketball, they've tried to change some things up. 2006, they put in the rule about going out of bounds and calling a timeout. While falling out of bounds, you're not allowed to call timeout. 
I mean, you're allowed to call it. It's just, uh, but the official's not supposed to accept it. I mean, Brad was allowed to call timeout, but the official is not supposed to accept it. You're, 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 you're falling out of bounds. I'm like, like, like you're, you're like way out of bounds. <laughs> okay, you're not allowed to do that. And then the other guy, again, that doesn't mean Penn State wins the game there. It would have been point eight left. Reavers, by the way, blocked the pass. It was a pass. Reavers made a heck of a play on that play. Heck of a play by Nate Reavers to block that pass from because Sam was trying to get the ball to John Hara. And they really set up a wall. Uh, so it doesn't mean Penn State's going to win there. It does not. Because, I mean, they could have... They could have botched the play up. They could have missed the shot. There's a whole bunch of things that they, you know, or they could have hit it. But the wall play in the first half, it's one thing to sit there and say they missed the call. That's okay. That happens. The mistake was, and it's a major mistake, it's egregious, of, no, we can't look at it. Yes, you can. It was in that building in that building that Nigel Hayes hit the shot after the shot clock and forced them to make that change. <sighs> well, you move on. Jim did say afterward that if uh, Penn State gets an NIT bid, he says, hey, we want to play. Said it last night. Now, question is whether that comes into play. We'll find out. Congratulations to Shikolami Basketball. First district championship since 1979. Uh, Kevin and Dave, great call on their part last night for what was a great moment for the program and a special moment when something hasn't happened in 42 years. But a great accomplishment for the young people in that program, a great accomplishment for the coaching staff, and obviously... Kevin and Dave did a great job of calling it on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet Reagan Street Sunbury wants to see you and thank you for your years of patronage where was the color guy well I know he was there because I saw when they both left yesterday (laughs) I was hoping for some insight that was a great call Kev, Kev great call buddy that was a great call. It really was. It means a lot. They'll play that back over and over again. That was a fabulous moment, a great call. And um, and I think, you know, you have to give somebody a lot of credit to make a call like that and effectively shut down the other person the way he does. All right, so, <laughs> no, it was a great call. And uh call's going to live on for Shikolimi basketball forever. That's wonderful. Uh, first time since 79. That is really, really cool. I think he actually texted me last night. Did I ever text him back? 
I'm going to see if I texted it back. If I didn't, I'm, I apologize. Uh, is 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 that Chad? Now we got the oh, chief, chief on the line. Oh, chief. Oh, good. Oh, this is the first time in days you've had a chance to talk. Great to hear from you. <laughs> hey, it's good, good to be on, Steve. Thanks a lot. It's not as bad as you make it, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard it's actually worse. No, so... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. Kevin, Kevin and I have, uh, I think it's like 22 years now that we've been working together, so... Once in a while, once in a while, it gets carried away, but he usually lets me have my say. So, no, I was, uh, you guys do a great <laughs> job. I got to have a little fun with him, for goodness sakes. Oh, I, <laughs> hey, listen, I do too. The other day, I called him, and he says, "I got to go. I I got to cut you off. I got a meeting." And I said, "Just like on the radio, Kev." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Chief, Chief, hold on here. I've I've got to call this inbounds pass. Uh, Really? It's that important? (laughs) You guys do an incredible job. Yeah. Hey, I I know that you have called games that uh, are unlike any game that you've ever done before. Well, last night, Kevin had the opportunity, and I had the opportunity to see a team play like I've never seen a, a team play defense in uh, the 22 years that we've uh, done the games. It was, it was, if I want to say unbelievable, that's kind of an understatement. It was, I can't give those kids enough credit for what they did to Central Mountain's offense last night. Hey, that's how you win district titles. I mean, when you totally frustrate the other team, late in the game, they can't even think straight. Because of how you defended them in the first three quarters. That's how, that's how it was. Yep. Hey, uh, awesome job. You guys uh, uh, You guys deserve every accolade you get. You guys are awesome. And I'm really thrilled to actually have heard your voice on the radio. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Chief. They do not make them any better than that guy. He and Kevin the do man. an awesome job. They do an awesome job. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. It's getting warm out there. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Received several text messages and emails during the break about how happy people were. They forgot what Dave Ritchie sounded like. I said, that's like. Catch it on the uh, podcast too, in case you missed it. The uh, he says not as bad as they make it out to me. It's worse. <laughs> but the uh, it's interesting because, uh, and this is all kidding aside about uh, about Kevin Dave, because obviously they do a great job. And I'm mean, I'm kidding around. 
But actually, I was when I was doing work, there were several years I did a lot of work for Big Ten Network. And as you know, I'm rather, uh, my style is rather wide open with analysts because I think Jack Ham is such a difference maker of the broadcast. Dick Girardi is such a difference maker of the broadcast. Yeah, I call plays. But I, I feel like it's not like I have to have it back to call the play. So why don't you, you know, I've, I've told the story about Jack rushing. This, this goes back to his first year. We were doing a game at three River Stadium between Penn State and Pitt. And it was really unlike him. You know, he's, he's rushing, he's rushing. And we got to halftime. And I said, why are you rushing? He goes, well, I want to make sure you get it back. Now, that's just Jack being a pro and, you know, I'm the play-by-play guy, and he wants me to have it back. He says, I don't care when I get it back. I, I don't, you know, I don't care. I said, you know, I said, I want to hear what you have to say. You say it. I said, I'll pick it up where you got to pick it up. You know, and you see how Dick and I do it. I mean, yeah, I've had people say, well, Dick, Dick talks, you know, I want him talking in the broadcast. I encourage it, right? That's why we have our own way of doing it. It's not really, okay, I talk, you, okay, it's all. It's not the way we've, in football and basketball, I've ever done that, never. So I was doing BTN, and I was work, I'm was. i not going to get into who I was working with, but, I mean, really a terrific analyst, great analyst. And we worked a couple of games together, and the producer later on said to me, he says, is that the way you always are with the analysts? I said, yeah, I always am. He says, yeah, he says, you know, it's, he says, what kind of fella he's been held back a little bit by some of the alpha dogs. I said, the alpha dogs? Yeah, the ones that got to have to be the, right? <sighs> Kevin's going to go around the rest of the weekend thinking of himself as an alpha dog. <laughs> I've never heard that one before, but all right. The Kevin's an alpha dog or the alpha dog reference? The, the alpha dog reference. Yeah. I'll tell you off the air who the analyst was. So, but I said, no, that's how I always do it. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Great to have you with us. Uh, the Big Ten hockey tournament gets underway this weekend. Brian Tripp will join us. El Tripperoni, great to have you with us, buddy. Great to have you on the show. I'm glad I'm on the Andrew and Moore Tree Surgeon Hotline because I have a branch outside my window that every time it's windy, it scrapes against the house and drives me nuts when I'm trying to sleep at night. You'll take care of it. <laughs> How are you, Steve? I'm doing well, sir. Uh, Thanks for having me. I wasn't surprised by what I saw last weekend because um, first game, you got adrenaline. Second game mm-hmm. back from a long pause, you have no legs. Uh, you just don't. I mean, is, I mean, did you feel like you were watching a team that was just trying really hard, but just, just physically, just couldn't do it? Yeah, no doubt. I thought the effort and the intensity was there. They just didn't have the legs to sustain possession. And if you look back, if you're looking for signs of optimism heading into this weekend, uh, if you look at the first two periods on Friday, and they said, I talked to a guy afterwards, and he said you could tell by the end of the second period on Friday in Game One that they just weren't recovering and they knew they yeah. might have some trouble in the third and then if you look at the first period on Saturday I thought they played really well yeah, they they led three times in the series they had a one one nothing lead a 2-1 lead and then a one nothing lead again on on Saturday so I think there's some really good things there but they just didn't have it they didn't have their legs and then on Saturday and they had two defensemen Clayton Phillips and Jimmy Dow Jr. go out for injury 
So then you're down more guys, and they're just really trying to get through the game at that point. Uh, get out of there, get get back into game shape, get that competitive spirit back. But it wasn't much more than that. Now I think this is different. Now this is you know, a week of rest. You've third game, yep. the whole deal. I think it's a whole different deal. So let's talk about matchups. I mean, you've watched enough of these two teams. What are some matchups that you think are favorable for Penn State? Yeah, I think the one thing that they can do that Notre Dame maybe can't at the same level is Penn State can sustain offensive zone time and really cycle and use their size. So winning puck battles, whether it's Arna Talvidia, Alex Limoges, Christian Sarlo as a freshman has really come on in that area as the game as the season has gone along. I think they have an advantage where they can use their size and their physicality inside the offensive zone to put some pressure on Notre Dame's defensemen. Notre Dame has some really good puck-moving defensemen. Nick Lieberman, Spencer Stastny are two of the better in the Big Ten. But Penn State has that size. I think they can use that in that aspect. There's something Notre Dame had received so far in the last couple of games against Penn State that I didn't think they really had an edge was their scoring depth. Notre Dame has had that the last couple of games. For the most part, they've been anchored by their top line. Alex Steves is going to be an all-Big Ten player. And then Graham and Landon flaggered on the wings. The speed and the scoring that line had, what they found is that scoring depth. So I felt like Penn State had the better depth, but that hasn't been the case the last two games. But that doesn't mean it will revert back to that again this weekend. Um, and I think they're pretty even. I know St. Sears played really well in goal. I think Oscar Adios played equally as, as well in goal. So I think they're pretty even in that. I really think they're two even teams, Steve. Um, you know, if you're trying to look across the board, face-offs, both teams are pretty even. Statistically, all year, every stat category you look at, blocks, face-offs, shots, um, team speed, physicality, they are really, really even hockey teams uh, when it comes down to it. It's this time of the year where it's a shift-by-shift game. You have to either Mm -hmm. be equal on the shift or, hey, great, the plus is you win a shift. Mentally, where is Penn State in the ability to win or at least be even on as many shifts as possible? Yeah, I think they're in a really good spot, and I think the experience they have now, they obviously lost a ton, but the experience of a guy like an Alex Limoges, first and foremost, uh, Arna Talvidia, what it takes to win in the postseason, what it takes to have postseason success. Um, I think that they're in a really good spot with that. I think Guy and his staff do an excellent job of getting the team to play its best at the end of the year. And they have a really strong mentality of what it takes to play in a postseason game. Part of that is because throughout the course of the season, they aren't just rolling two lines or two defensive pairings. They always roll four lines, three defensive pairings. So when you get to this time of year, when you need everyone to contribute, when it could come down to, like what's the famous thing in the NHL when you talk about postseason hockey? It's usually a third or a fourth liner getting those overtime goals, it seems like, more often than not. It's the same way in college Mm -hmm. hockey. You need all hands on deck. And I think just the mentality that guys established from day one to when you get to postseason time, I think it goes a long way. And then you lean on your guys like a Limoges, like a Talvidia, uh, some other guys that you can mention in there as well. Sternshine has scored some big goals for him over the years as well. Hey, you talk about the, the the goalkeeping part. Oscar Adio went through when when the team was playing on a you know a normal mm-hmm. basis. He was really starting to get on a roll. How unpredictable is this? Because it's only been two games back. Yeah, I think I think Oscar kept them in the game on Friday and Saturday yeah. for the most part. Um, as he started to wear down, I think everything started to wear down. So 
I thought he showed in the first period Saturday some of the saves he made. He made two breakaway saves. They didn't do him any favors because I think they were so physically fatigued it led to mental fatigue, and they were making just some bad plays. Their puck management was poor, high turnovers that led to odd man rushes. So I, I think even though his numbers weren't great, this past weekend, I still was encouraged by the way he played, some of the stops he made and high-quality chances for Notre Dame. Um, I, I think his personality, too, just being calm, he's not rattled by anything. I think that fits well in a playoff-type setting. Uh, that being said, it is his first postseason game. Um, but that's where the benefit of being a junior and having a couple of years behind the ultimate postseason guy, Peyton Jones, I think, can help right. as well. He's, he's learned a lot from Peyton. He's credited Peyton with a lot of his success. And uh, I, I think Oscar, Oscar just has the, the physical tools to get it done, but then the mental makeup's even more important, too. All right. Uh, when you look at the big picture overall, the NCAAs, I mean, this is going to be, as we mentioned, it's a shift-by-shift shift deal here. Mm-hmm. But what do they have to do to get there? Do they have to win the tournament now, or is there a way yep. for them to get there? No, I, I think if the season, if they didn't miss the eight games, they had an opportunity playing at the clip that they were and winning about 75% of their games. They had an opportunity to get themselves to where they could have been a bubble team. Uh, just when right. they had to shut down, you miss a series at a Michigan, you miss a home series with a Minnesota, miss uh, a couple of home series with winnable games against Arizona State and Ohio State, just because of where they started at 0-5 and now only playing a 20-game schedule, uh, they obviously will need to win this conference tournament to advance. If you want to look at what's intriguing about this matchup as well, Notre Dame, if Notre Dame were to win this game and then maybe win its semifinal game, I I would consider them a bubble team. So they have a lot on the line that they're playing for as well, both these teams um, playing for their postseason life. But Penn State will need to win this tournament just just with the landscape of the year. And uh, I think they did have a chance to get to that bubble spot with how well they were playing, Steve. But once they missed games, you know, they had no chance to make up the ground. Now, obviously, uh, um, guys can come back next year if they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, so all the seniors. Uh, but this is also a team that has a lot of guys that have been drafted along the way. How tough is this offseason going to be with some decisions? Yeah, I think it's a really tough offseason. And, and the number one thing is, a lot of guys who typically would sign after, say, a sophomore or junior season early, or even your seniors, a lot of times they get those opportunities at the end of an NHL season. You know, Casey Bailey had this, where he went and he played six games, five, six games in the NHL, because those teams are out of the playoffs. Or you go to an AHL team, some AHL teams aren't playing. So there are less right. opportunities out there this right. year than there have been in the past, not to mention you have guys who signed maybe after last year and they would have gotten 15, 20, 25 games under their belt and already uh, three quarters of a season this year. Teams haven't had that opportunity to look at last year's class that exited college hockey or joined the minor leagues because they shut down so early. So I think you're, you're really taking last year's class and this year's class and almost grouping it together. I think we saw the same thing in baseball with the MLB draft. A lot of players came back to college baseball this year because they only went 20 rounds, and there weren't, there weren't the professional opportunities in the minor leagues last year after their college season ended. So I think you're seeing the same thing where there are less spots for more people now, and I think that will impact some decisions 
Uh, that being said, across the Big Ten, your guys like Cole Caulfield and, mm-hmm. and some of the Michigan guys, um, they're going to go. But I think it's a really tough spot. You know, Tim Doherty's a, a fifth-year senior. And then it comes down to, um, you know, is there, is there a program for any of these guys who maybe are, would have to go to grad school or, or have they already gone through their, their grad program? Uh, what kind of scholarship money is available? How is the NCAA going to handle scholarship money? Yeah. There are a lot of questions out there that no one really has an answer for right now. Um, it would be nice if there's more clarity on it. Uh, I think the coaches feel the same way. <laughs> and I think it's a, a tough decision for a lot of people. And it comes down to how much space maybe does your team even have? This The off season in, in college hockey, a lot of NCAA sports, but college hockey in particular, with the extra year of eligibility, with what's assumed to be open transfers this year without having your eligible, having to sit out a year. I mean, there are so many things I know you discuss a lot, Steve, that, that just impact these decisions. It's really hard to get a gauge on what the landscape truly is going to look like. I don't think anybody knows. That's why I, no, I, 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 I give all the football programs credit because, look, the key was to stay at 85. And you, know, you notice what James Franklin did. You notice there are mm-hmm. no sixth-year guys. Uh, on the team Uh, because you have to somehow keep classes balanced Mm -hmm. and nobody's had to go through this before yeah Yeah, I think if you're a college hockey player too if you're 23 24 years old I mean yeah you might want to come back one more year and try to accomplish something but if you're 23 24 whatever the sport may be you start to get to 25 pro leagues are going to look at you and say you're too old of a prospect to begin with so it's now or never for some of these guys. But also, if the spots aren't open, if there's a limited amount of spots that you can jump to the next level and play at, you know, would you rather come back to college? And that goes for guys who are juniors or seniors. So it's a really interesting process that's going to unfold. <laughs> well, good luck this weekend. Looking forward to hearing you. Uh, and, Thanks. Uh, Looking forward to listening to you tonight as well. Yeah. So. Give it a shot tonight at 9. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, Matt LePay and I were kidding about that this morning uh, we, we, because Matt does Wisconsin's broadcast. And, yeah. Uh, it, 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 as Matt said, he says, you know, he says, what a privilege to broadcast an instant classic. And I said, <laughs> I said, do you realize, I said, Taylor Battle broke Penn State's all-time scoring record in that game and led the way with nine points. No. I, if you have if you have time, I got a really good story about it. So that was my senior year of college, and we went on a senior week cruise for spring break. And you know we were following the the games, but when you're out at sea, you don't have signal, and we weren't getting updates on the game. And that was Friday night, and we're we're coming back in. And Saturday morning, my buddy asks me how they did. I said, Oh, they only scored 36 points. And he goes, Oh man, that's a shame. The season ended like that. I said, No. They won 36-33. How about that? <laughs> he just I mean, when I saw the score, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, Dick, Dick Girardi, he says, when does the second half start? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think two halves of that was yeah. enough. <laughs> well, the next day at the semifinals, Paul mm-hmm. Keels of Ohio State came up to me, and he says, oh, Steve, 36-33. 
I looked over and said, Paul, you know, anybody can do a 76-73 game. <laughs> I said, doing 36-33 takes a special skill set. <laughs> At least you're not paid by the bucket. <laughs> In my career, I've done three of those. Three, mm-hmm. three of those. Uh, everyone remembers, of course, 36-33. The game at mm-hmm. Illinois, when uh, Illinois and Gonzaga had the nation's longest home court winning streaks at 36. Penn State won the game 38-33. <laughs> but there was also a game I did at the Jordan Center with Tennessee that in regulation ended 33-33. And uh, then Penn State outscored Pete Lasicki in a couple shots. They went 8-0 in overtime and won 41-33. So needless to say... If you need advice on how to do that, I'm your go-to guy. <laughs> and you've done a 6-4 game, too. So. And, I did a six, and I did a 6-4 football game. <laughs> but, but, this, but, this, but it's amazing because you go through that, they become teaching moments. Yeah. So I can then translate it to the class. And this is what I told them about both 6-4 and those three games. This is what I've told them. You're going through, and for the first 35 minutes or in football the first 55 minutes, you're like, oh, what the heck is, you know, you're watching like it's almost surreal in some ways. But then with five minutes to go in each game, guess what comes into play? Winning and losing. So it doesn't matter if it's 93-90 or 33-30. It's a three-point game. It's a one-possession game. So now the winning and losing comes in or it's 6-4. Well, guess what? You kick a field goal, you can win. So when it's later on, you can kid around about it. <laughs> but when you're doing it, when when winning and losing is on the line, then it do, does it really matter what the number is? Not at all. No, not at all. Yeah. You know, you you get a one nothing game, and they go, "Hey, that was a great defensive game." I get six four. What the heck was that? All right. I know. <laughs> I, get I think you'll be in the fifties or sixties tonight. We'll put it that way. Well, the pace won't be won't be hot, but you know what? That actually helps Penn State tonight after last mm-hmm. night. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, have a good one. You Steve. too. Thanks. Yeah, you can take stuff. There's broadcasting lessons. In fact, I mentioned the suit in my class the other day. We're doing a play-by-play piece right now. Oh, no. <laughs> All I said, I played back 10 minutes of one of the Shikalimi broadcasts. I said, what don't you hear? And they all said the analyst. We'll come back with more in a moment. <laughs> Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 